Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Freedom of Species would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, who are the traditional owners of the land on which we broadcast today. We pay our respect to the elders of all of the lands on which we meet across Australia. Welcome to Freedom of Species, we're a show that brings animal advocacy to the airwaves of 3CR Community Radio. Before us, you heard Sally with Out of the Pan. You can check that out every Sunday, 12 till 1, for all issues pansexual. Today on the show, I'm going to bring you um, a discussion uh, from Harley McDonald Eckersall, regular Freedom of Species contributor, which is all about the role of performance and activism. And I'm going to pass it straight over to Harley to introduce this discussion. This week, I'm doing something a little bit different for the show. So usually, as our listeners will know, we have someone come on the show and be interviewed about current happenings in the world of animal rights, what's going on in research and activism and all the other spaces where we take action for animals. Um, And this week, instead of bringing someone onto the show, I'm sharing an interview uh, of myself um, with Ben Hunt, who is currently undertaking a PhD in theatre and performance and animal rights. So in this chat, we talk about how theatre and performance can be used to better understand animal rights and also explore some of the research that he's doing at the moment, which is based on how performance is present in animal rights activism um, and focusing on the performance of trauma in animal rights as well. So I hope you all enjoy the discussion between Ben and myself. Um, And Ben is a practice-based researcher in performance at De Montfort University in Leicester in the UK. Thanks, Harley, for joining me. So I'd just like to pick your brains about your experience and your thoughts as well about performing arts specifically and animal rights, but also going down different avenues around creativity and activism together and separately as well. So the first question is, what originally compelled you to perform in animal rights? That's not to be specific performance. It could just be your activism and your participation in animal rights. And where do you see yourself in that sphere? Yeah, so I guess for me, there's always been a convergence. So I I guess I was more I was involved with performing in theatre before I was involved with animal rights. So like my mum's an artist, so I grew up around art and like art as an expression of, you know, social and political issues and also just art as an expression of like an inner world. Um, so that was kind of how I, I was raised. And then that led me to start doing like performance and like amateur theatre. And then that led me to decide to study theatre at university. Um, and s- studying theatre not as like, learning how to act or be a performer but more understanding theatre as like a way of expression and I guess like yeah like convergence comes from 
it was while I was studying theatre and like learning all these things about how you know, throughout time art and performance have been used to communicate and to debate and to think about these big issues like from when it was used as um like in Greek theatre as a way of like you know being part of democracy in ancient like and like ways of discourse and throughout time and like performance art and how that's also um been like this key part of like sharing and communicating about political issues um so while I was learning about that that was when I got involved in animal rights and I became vegan for like philosophical animal ethics like animal sentience and anti-speciesism reasons and I guess like the two worlds collided very early on for me in that I was studying theatre and learning about theatre and I was at the same time becoming vegan, becoming passionate and wanting to learn more and do more about like anti-speciesism. So I guess it just always seemed very natural to me that art and performance is a way of moving forward political movements and that when it comes to animal rights there's no way of like divorcing the two and yeah so I guess like that for me was my big motivator of just like the way the way the two kind of came up into my life like at the same time but then also realizing like the power that performance has to share stories that are hard to communicate um, or to share things that are difficult to grasp you know through other mediums and I think like when I was getting more involved in animal rights and like grappling with this this problem that I think, you know, anyone who tries to advocate for, you know, animals who aren't human grapples with of that, you know, we are an ally movement has says these whole group of people who are the ones who are oppressed who, you know, can't take the stage and speak in English and speak in human languages to sh- share their oppression. So we have to find new ways of communicating this is why we need a new kind of world. This is why we need an rights movement. So I guess those things all kind of combined of like the power that performance has to share stories other than human. And yeah, just like the fact that I think without performance, without art, I don't think that a lot of stories could have been shared at times when they weren't like socially acceptable. So I guess that's what, I guess, yeah, inspires me or motivated me to think about the two together, just seeing performances being entwined with so many social struggles. Uh, Yeah, that sounds like a very similar story to me. Uh, My connection came a bit later on, for sure, because I'd studied theatre and then I Mm. became an activist after that. And then it started to intertwine, but it took me a while. But I totally get that. The whole, I really like the idea that you um, reference like the whole Greek theatre thing and it's thinking politically mm. is the same as thinking theatrically. And I think that's fascinating. So what do you think about, what do you think the other activists around you maybe and people you've, other colleagues and things, when you think like this, is there a shared thinking? Is there a shared appreciation or is there some persuasion on your end? Or is this a kind of, it's your own thing that you carry with you in your in your activism. And then if people want to engage where does the idea of performance and activism for you reach out to other activists if it does? Yeah, I think that's a really interesting question. And I think like what I've noticed is that people 
I guess I, 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 almost, I almost see activism as sometimes being a bit of like a, a blank slate and people bring with them their views of the world into that. So like I see people who come into activism and seeing it and see it as very like, you know, it's like, you know, we're, this is a, we're trying to sell something to someone. It's like a sales pitch and they're bringing in this kind of like more like, yeah, I guess like that realm of thinking or it's like, you know, you kind of get involved in groups that are very like run like kind of like a corporate enterprise with like you know, KPIs and all that. And like, so I think like there's so many different ways to do activism, people bringing in like the experience of the world. So I guess like I, I do see to an extent that because I have that background and I have that mindset of thinking like a performer and thinking about theatre, that's what I bring in. But I also, I think in my experience, people see the value of theatricality. Um, so they see the value of, you know, creating, for example, yeah, like actions that are informative and that, you know, are, I guess, like theatre in some ways. So, yeah, I guess like people seem to in, instinctively or intuitively um, respond to that or be drawn to that of doing things that share a message through more than just um, like words. So there's, I think there's a big, like in the circles that I'm in, we're creating like these actions. There's a, there's a big push towards like, you know, making actions that can be understood through a single image, um, which I think is very, you know, performance based and it's very theatrical. And I think that, that kind of like outward facing actions, I guess. Yeah. Those are, I think very, people seem to are very kind of drawn to theater and performance in those kind of spaces. But what I think is maybe more something that I hold within me, the words you use, I guess, like, is that more sense of like bringing a theatrical lens to activism as a whole and bringing a theatrical lens to how we organize and how we create, like build movements and that more internal work. And I think that's something that maybe it's still something I'm grappling with and I'm trying to understand like, for example, like I studied like the cultural and creative industries and like cultural economics. And I look at that and I think about the principles that allow us to understand culture and like the cultural industries. And I see those being so applicable to how we understand like social movements and movement theory. Um, but that's, I think, something I hold a lot more in me. Whereas like when we're creating these big outward facing actions that are trying to get press, it's not really a hard sell to be like, yeah, we should be bringing in elements of performance and theatricality because everyone's like, yes, we want them to be big, bold, flashy, audacious. So, yeah, I think there's those two different sides of it, maybe like the visible performance and the internal like theatricality. If I can pick your brains about that, about the, the action planning. So mm. say you're action planning uh, with Reben- Animal Rebellion and, and there's a, like you said, there's this, there's this awareness and a kind of, inevitability that there will be a performance aspect to it what is the dynamics like in that respect of is the action planned like we're going to disrupt this place then then let's plug on a performance thing or is it a wouldn't it be interesting if we disrupted it by doing this performance or this image or this kind of visual is there a certain process or is it different either each time yeah i think for the the big disruptive actions we've done, so like in when yeah when I say we, I'm referring to like Animal Rebellion, the group I've been working with for almost two years. That's definitely been more like the performer. So I th- it has been like you know 
this is a target um and then like designing in yeah like theatrical elements so for example like the mcdonald's blockades that we did um like having the target and having the campaign and then building things like the the big burger and the big happy meal box and things like that to be part of that rather than being like oh imagine if we had giant burger um but i know for instance like that is there's been times when it's been like we want we want an element and then we design an action around that so for example the like the unhappy meal box that was used for one of the actions was just this big yeah box with unhappy face like that was an, like a, a prop that we'd wanted to use somewhere at some point for quite a long time so it wasn't like we had this action and then we were like oh what can we use to bring this it was like that prop kind of existed by itself externally from the accent and um, the action the same thing with like the clown car like that was used in the first mcdonald's blockade like that prop i guess existed had its own world had its own kind of like um creative sphere around it so i definitely think like that has happened but i think also when we're thinking about actions a big as motivator for picking targets is their creative potential um and their like i guess the yeah, theatrical potential so it's like for example why we chose like i think a big like, indi- like motivator like why we chose like McDonald's over anywhere else we could have done that's you know using using animals is because of how theatrical they are and i know that like, people are really drawn to this like idea of Ronald McDonald and like this whole theater around McDonald's is very appealing when you're thinking about like a target so I definitely think like that's that's such a big element of choosing like out of an endless stream of options of who you can like put the spotlight on um to bring attention to like well in this case like animal agriculture and climate but just like also animal exploitation more broadly I think you know theater is such a big part of that of like this like creative force that some brands or corporations like envision of just like people already have a cultural frame of reference around it whereas like instead of you having to build a whole new cultural reference point um around like an unknown brand or something that's not so doesn't bring up association with anyone like i think targets that have their own have their own theatricality like they're so appealing because like people have that in their head already yeah that's uh, that's fascinating i never thought about that that playing on the uh, on their own theatricality and that and you see that i suppose in my experience anyway of say a an action at a slaughterhouse has less theatricality outward looking theatricality than one out of mcdonald's purely because of the the theatricality of the brand and of the mm. the audience that's that's looking and the use of props is like you having their own energy and how you use that that's uh that's fascinating yeah so what drew you to animal rebellion what was it about animal rebellion that just as an activist or as a creative as well maybe yeah um i think as an activist and i think that they're both like yeah so i'm fine it's like as an activist and a creative it's probably the same thing of like i think a lot of creative people are drawn to opportunities that allow for like exploration um and i think animal rebellion um when i got involved a big part about it was that it was so it was so like unformed and new 
and it was trying to do a lot of new things. Um, so like that's about a whole bunch of things, like how it's structured, like the, the structure that's used, the like the social the, the theory that was trying to be applied. Um, it was like trying to yeah apply a lot of like theory. It was trying to bring in new like messaging and things like that, which is kind of like what I got involved with um, for, uh, from the beginning um, of the story. And also, yeah, with the actions as well, trying to find new ways of reach getting the media and cutting through and shifting perception and things like that. So I think it was that like raw, almost unformed nature of it that kind of drew me in that it felt it didn't have a prescribed like associated. This is what this group does. And if you join this group, this is what you do. Whereas, like, I think there's a lot of groups within animal rebellion, sorry, within the animal rights movement, who are very associated with like one one thing, with one tactic. Um, so, yeah, for example, save um, and the vigils and meet victims and all that. So, and I think like you know, a lot of those groups do like a lot of really great work and like yeah, really transformational for a lot of people. But I guess what drew me to animal rebellion was this this feeling of like innovation or ability to try new things and experiment um and I think that also comes out of being smaller and more unknown which animal rebellion was at the time when I got involved so yeah I guess it's that sense of um this is a place to experiment and explore um and I think like I know as a creative I'm always seeking that of like where can I try new things or like apply things that are in my head onto the ground and I think as an activist I am as well of wanting to wanting to be in spaces where you can like innovate and yeah like try things and test them and if they don't work then go back and try new things. As you've been involved with Animal Rebellion for so long where have you found your evolution as a activist and performer within this sphere of animal rebellion has it changed is it yeah for sure so I got involved in animal rebellion at quite an interesting time because it was formed like back in June 2019 and I got involved in like January 2020 so it was like after like the first rebellion and all that but it was an interesting time where the people a lot like most of the people who had initially conceptualized and started animal rebellion had like stepped away and a, a whole bunch of new very like, new people had kind of come in and were trying to use the like raw material that had been left to like build something new so it was a really interesting time I think of like um yeah a lot of a lot of learning from a lot of people so I guess like as a journey in a way yeah like, when you come in and something's being built and there's a lot of like energy around it and there's a lot of like yeah, yeah I guess creative energy kind of like being spread around because there's no there's no path like laid out in front of you so I think for me like that's kind of when I came in when everything was very buzzing with this new this new energy and then like I think very early on as being involved like we got sucked into like COVID and everything being online and finally enough like for me that was like quite a really interesting time of like being able like a lot of connection and a lot of like conversation happened during that, um, even though there wasn't much like actual stuff that we could do. So there was a lot of um, a lot of opportunity to like think and explore and like I guess 
try things even if they weren't being able to physically try things because you're able to like and I know at that point like um I was part of like an animal about performers group and we met just to talk about like projects and things that we're thinking about even though we couldn't really do much like physically so for me yeah like that was kind of like this middle point this whole as I think for everyone being inside and having ideas and wanting to be creative but being a bit limited um which you know kind of like has its negatives and positives of I think you know like limitations can like lead to really amazing creative kind of outputs um but I guess like now if we're kind of like to look at like that first bit that I was talking about which was like yeah there was no path there was just a lot of creative energy and like things were moving in all different directions I think now animal rebellion like has gotten to a point where it's figured out what it's good at it's figuring out what it's good at and that's an interesting thing because it means that you know we're a lot more we can do a lot more um and the things that we do are a lot more impactful I think um but it also means that you know that original like creative energy of like things going off in all different directions and trying new things and some of them working and some of them not working like that's not there as much anymore which I think like as a like I think like as a creative person that's an interesting place to be and like it's almost more exciting to be there when things are not formed and they're raw and you know you're just kind of going off everywhere and like one once at least for me once I get to that point where like okay this is this is how it is now this is all set it's almost like you've gone over that first like exciting bit of like oh this this could go anywhere but like also as an actor as you can see like yeah this is having more impact this is you know refined so I think like it's it's an interesting thing I I haven't really thought about it properly um maybe to like see the different different parts of different parts of that kind of experience or to be like okay now now this is like a specific outlet and this is how we use creativity or theatricality and maybe that's more formed now and more set now so yeah I think it's it is I guess an evolution and it's probably it's going to keep evolving but it's an interesting thing to think about of like um how I almost think that groups at least activism like groups that I've been part of almost like they're drawn to being confined like they seem to just naturally slide to doing a very set group of things um and then yeah I I just think that's yeah that's a really interesting thing because I think the nature of like art and performance is to I guess try and break out of confinement and try and push boundaries and keep changing and evolving. You are listening to a discussion between Harley mcdonald Eckersall and Ben Hunt all about performance and activism, and you are on 3CR Radical Radio. We're going to take a quick song. It is um, Art is Hard by Cursive, which was I thought was quite relevant in light of the discussions around art and performance, etc. I do have to mention this song does contain a little bit of swearing, and yeah, on the other side of this song and a community community announcement, you'll um, this discussion will continue on the other side.
Maritime Union of Australia is pleased to announce the Struggles That Made Us poster design prize. With a five grand first prize, the MUA is calling for submissions of a poster or artwork that addresses or is inspired by the struggles, events or historical figures amongst Australian maritime workers. The winning design will be launched on May Day 2022 and featured in a special May Day edition of Overland magazine. So get amongst it, people. Jump online and search for MUA Design Prize to enter. The Maritime Union of Australia is a proud 3CR supporter. Where do you think Animal Rebellion's audience is now? Is it? different kinds of audiences or are you do you guys feel like you're focused on a certain type of audience when you're doing these actions yeah um for the most part like when we're doing actions our goal is usually to get press and to get quite a lot of like mainstream press so I think in that regard we're definitely seeing our audience as being like the general population um which can take you know any form and I think that's all yeah often like a big focus and also a big reason for like using things like props and staging and stuff um which is to get get media attention and then like that allows our message to go further um but I also do think we have this like very like there has been this very like strong focus on like reaching out to like the environmental movement and encouraging like uptake of this message of um like animal agriculture 
um, in the environmental movement. So I think like that has also been a big audience. And in that way, it's almost like, um, it's almost like at the moment between, I think quite a few groups, there's like this competition to do like the most bold, audacious, showy action. And while that, in what, like on one hand, that's what allows us to get press and reach a broad audience. On another hand, that's also like, you know, it's like a street cred thing in a way of like, you know, when you're when you're doing these actions and you're causing this disruption and you're like sending this message, um, it's also reaching out to other like, activist groups, being like, this is what we're doing. Don't you want to be involved? So, I think it's like, and when we, yeah, I guess like that's an interesting thing when thinking about like the performance elements of the kind of dual purpose they serve of getting press by being like very outward facing and audacious and also kind of drawing attention from within like movements and um, almost competing in a way, um, not in like a, yeah, like a negative, like trying to like steal attention away from other movements, but more in a, like a, yeah, I guess it's, it is, it does kind of feel like a friendly competition. And I think like Animal Rebellion has probably brought in the theatricality a lot and has also brought it outside of rebellions. I think like XR definitely uses it in like rebellions and stuff, you know, the big pink boat and the various iterations of the big pink boat. But I think like more bringing it to other places and unlikely places like um, to the more like um, industrial estates and stuff, which we've been doing a lot is like something that I think has brought a lot of attention to us from like within the movement as well of these people who like this group of people who are trying to change the system, but who also are using like theater as a way of expressing like, I guess, existential dread um, as well as like as getting attention. Yeah. That's super interesting thinking about, activists as an audience have you ever have you ever felt i'm assuming i mean just through my own experience that new groups and new groups that are doing stuff and getting press also garner criticism from the movement they're part of as well as there been from a creative side as well has there ever been a have you ever come across criticism around the way things are presented maybe or there's arguments in the animal rights movement of how we perform, how we get a message across about the non-human animal without, mm. how do we testify of the non-human animal without causing offence of about the non-human animals? So whether that's sexualizing them in a way or mm. or making light of their plight. I mean, I don't know. I don't know whether I'm a big fan of comedy, so I, I do find value in that. But what? there's obviously some lines that are drawn by certain activist groups. Have you ever felt the brunt of that? Yeah, for sure. So I know, I know like early on, so this was before I was involved as well, like even just around, like, I think one of the first big things that like Animal Rebellion got a lot of press for was like the veggie dance party in like Mr. Broccoli. And like, that was, I think, a, a, yeah, like a big early use of like performance in Animal Rebellion. And that and the whole kind of like um, Mr. Broccoli being interviewed by Piers Morgan and that like that was such a big like creative theatrical stunt. And I know that got a lot of backlash within the movement. 
of yeah like exactly what you're saying like making light and I know there's also been times like there was a when we were leading up to like the first occupation of Arla like Animal Rebellion was like using like cow costumes to try and like represent animals and like that got a lot of backlash and like because of that like we haven't I know like we haven't used representations of animals in that way again because of like um yeah like the the criticisms of that of being speciesist and things like that but I think it does raise these questions like like you're saying of it is that that tricky thing of how do you represent these groups um and I feel I do I do feel like I do feel like sometimes like animals are being lost in our actions because of a lack of ways of representing them and I think like one way that we have tended to represent like the missing animals is we have this big like x animal transports truck um which we've you know we've painted pink and like blocked roads with we've painted red and had it mcdonald's actions we've painted white and had it the all action it's made arounds um and i think like that has been an attempt to represent the missing the missing animals um but i think it's like it's a deeper question of well um from what i've seen in like animal rights and animal liberation circles the way we represent animals has only really been grappled with effectively in like academic literature and it becomes quite you know you you can get to a point i think when you're writing academically where you can represent the non-human like other in a way that is respectful and in a way that is not othering but my question always is how do we translate that into visual how do we translate that into something that doesn't need pages upon pages of explanation what is that single image or what is that like creative idea that allows us to represent those that are like yeah like exploited those who are like the, the base of this movement um so yeah I think like the short answer is yeah definitely like we have gotten backlash for this and I think that has also led us down different paths um and it was I think part of that like what I was mentioning of that early like creative like force of trying new things and all that and like that's kind of shaped what animal rebellion does now and like who we've become um and I do find it interesting as well like it's made us I think more avoidant of representing animals but then that that comes with its positives for sure but also the negatives of then that question of like where are they and how do they be, be represented in especially like more theatrical faces yeah it is the, i think that is it's such a struggle that isn't it of of representing an absent the the absent uh, mm. animal which is is such a challenge and also this kind of a movement as as most anti-oppressive movements are of they're so negative it's such a negative experience for these groups like it's trauma it's horror it's violence it's death how, and how do we bring an exciting eye-capturing action that gets the press without dwelling on the the negatives and because if we do that we end up being those preachy preachy vegans that just talk just are always upset and it's turning that anger into some sort of action I suppose isn't it but Mm -hmm. it is difficult so just to get a bit more granular and a bit more into your own experience what feelings manifest when you perform your activism? So when you, can you talk me through your experience of 
because I've seen you do speeches and do performances and uh, on the, and and do videos and stuff as like a news reporter, someone being interviewed as a news reporter. What do you feel as a performer? There is there a a certain physical feeling you have or uh, a, a processing things mentally as a performer when you go into that space as a performer? Yeah, really interesting. I think, for example, like speeches. I think it's been a long time since I've written a speech. They're usually like more spur of the moment. So I get think there's definitely a lot of feelings there of like passion and frustration um, is a big one of like that feeling of not being able to communicate and needing to find words um, and also like wanting to, I think like it's it often like, comes out of a desire to connect um, and a desire to connect with other people and I guess like maybe like get other people to the you want you want other people to be on the the emotional level that you're on at that moment I think like that's like for me at least like yeah like performing in general like that's such a big thing like you're always trying to reach out to an audience and bring them to the place that you're at right there so I think you know there's usually in me there's like this sense of frustration fuels me a lot but also like um just hope that I'm trying to find the right word because it's definitely like definitely is does come from hope like I think I am quite a hopeful person I do believe that things can change and I think like maybe maybe like that that sense of like that performance sense of me when I'm trying to do speeches that comes from this disconnect or um between hope and reality of what you know needs to happen and what is actually happening in that moment. So the moment I think you're specifically is I did a speech out front at the front of like DEFRA um, in the rebellion last year. Um, and that very much came from like this, this disconnect between what that day was intended to be, which was like bringing people together. Um, it's really positive experience and like this really like heavy hand of policing being done of like not letting us gather, not letting us kind of like be there. And also kind of experiencing that like grief of having just like two days earlier been at an action at a slaughterhouse um, and just like seeing what needs to change and knowing like knowing like, yeah, I guess having a hope that there is something that could be done and then feeling that like disconnection between like what's been happening and like what's happening right then. And then I think, like, in other forms as well, like, doing the more, like, staged, I guess, performances. Yeah, it's, it's a strange one. Like, usually that's, more, like, more, like, light. I guess I feel, like, a lot more lighthearted about it. Like, it's, you know, there's always a sense of, like, embarrassment. Just, like, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, but there's also, I guess, like, just, just this sense, like, if this makes one person laugh, then that's fine because, like, it is more lighthearted and I think like there's been yeah like things I've done for Animal Rebellion um and other groups as well where it's just like it's it's I guess trying to communicate a message um and it's more like using very very obvious theater or performance to do that and that for me is usually a lot more a lot less emotion based it's usually a lot more just like okay something I'm doing it's something I'm doing right now is fine and it's you know might 
yeah, might connect with one or two people. It might kind of like, but it's also just something to kind of like communicate this message. Um, and it's something that's part of this action that someone has planned. Um, and I'm happy to be part of this action that someone has planned. So I think there's, yeah, there's the more, at least for me, like when it comes to performance, the more, the more stage something is, the less connected to my emotions it is. Whereas like when something's more spontaneous and rises out of that disconnect, like that's probably when I feel a lot more and it's a lot more kind of like emotion based. And yeah, like I think, I think I, yeah, I mentioned like that big desire to connect. Like you really want to connect. You want to make, you want to see that someone else is then feeling what you're feeling and is able to like come along with you. I really like the idea of this duality of kind of frustration and hope this kind of grappling with that to push you forward and into communicating. And also I completely relate to this, the embarrassment, but the needs to do it because who else is going to do it? My, my closing question is you've really thoughtfully touched upon that at the beginning really and throughout but what role does performing arts have in the animal rights movement? So I suppose the, the probing question of that is, is there more that performing arts could be doing or is it a case of they should be, should it be integral in the movement or should it be develop as itself and then be a complement? Just these different thoughts that I've been having. Where do you think performing arts should lie and what job should it be doing? For sure. Um, I think there's so many different elements to it, which isn't very helpful. Like, I think, I think any movement needs artists um, in so many different forms. Like, I think for one part, yeah, like performance makes, it communicates ideas. Like, so if you're, if you have elements of performance in what you're doing, it makes you more likely to be able to communicate. So um, and that's in so many different ways. Like if you're doing like, yeah, like actions and you're trying to get like public attention, if you have theatrical elements, you're more likely to get public attention. Like that's just kind of like a A, a equals B kind of thing. The more theatrical you are, the more, I think like I always like refer to it as like the, I can't believe they did that. The effect of like when you're doing an action, like the more people will look at it and go, I can't believe they did that, the more likely you are to get press attention like I think a great like example of that is one of the most like the most press we got have gotten for like an action in like quite a while is like the one at Buckingham Palace during this rebellion we all we did was like dye the fountains red and that actually got like more press attention than this 15 minute action than when we blocked the burger factory at McDonald's for three days go figure um but I think like it's that effect of I can't believe they did that so I think like theatricality has such an important part to, role to play in making what we do as like externally, like what we do that's aiming to be externally facing want to be seen. And like, it's like that stickiness of if you do something that is designed to be seen, then people are going to want to see it. Whereas if you just do something that's designed to be like experienced internally, then and then you kind of like questioning, well, why didn't we get press? Why didn't we get attention? Like, I think that's a big thing. So I think like that's definitely a big part of it. I think also there's like two other things that I, I would touch on. One is that I think there's a space 
or a place for creative and performing thinking to, and this is, yeah, what we've like already talked about. I think there's a space for that to come into movement building and how we think about developing this movement for animals. Um, and I think this like kind of like comes out as, yeah, like how we experience, how we understand performance because like everything so much of what we do is a performance um and the way when we're thinking about like you know performing new ways of relating to animals like that's that's a that's a way of thinking about performance um and thinking about performing like the ways that we want to the world that we want to see doesn't exist it needs to be performed um it needs to be performed until it's naturalized and then it's in existence and i think that's something that i see is being missing from when we're thinking about movements it's that that vision and I think what performance does is it presents a vision and it presents a new way of being and a new way of existing and I think that 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 could be incorporated into how we build movements and how we build groups and how we write about and how we think about um, animal rights as well and I think the final thing is like when I look through art history at like social movements there's always like this well most of the time there's a strong like accompanying art art movement and that's how like a big way that new ideas I was going to say infiltrate and I can't think of a better word now so it's a big way that new ideas infiltrate into society not through just you know the the campaign groups and the lobby groups and all that it's through the arts and it's through you know artists making creative work that brings in new ideas or shows these different ways um, of living and embodying and I think that's really powerful and I think like that's the bit that exists alongside but outside the movement as well because it's like you know it's one thing for an animal rights group to make a docu- like make a documentary or make a short film about animal rights it's another thing for like a mainstream tv show or a theater like a theater performance to touch on that or bring in those elements like that's a incredibly powerful way of shaping and changing public discourse and I think that's like just as needed and I think I have like I I guess I've seen a lack there like I think it's 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 something that we see it I think a lot stronger now in other movements um which is like a sign of like those movements like growing and gaining force of like now when we look at theater and performance around other social issues they're really kind of like working their way in and I think like I can see that space as being a space where like animal rights can also like grow and flourish. Um, so yeah, I guess there's three different ways. Yeah, it's, it is, it's complex, isn't it? I remember starting to think about it and I was like, cause I was like, Oh, it'd be nice to put performance in actions. And I was like, well, hang on a minute. There's so much more performance can give in it's, in it's subtle ways. Yeah. That's, that's really, really interesting. Thank you, Holly. Is there anything I've missed or is anything, uh, you'd like to add before we finish up? No, um, no, this was really good, and it's it's gotten my brain working as well. So now, so thank you because I'm just going to go away and be very excited and thinking. Um, but yeah, I think there's so much performance already in activism, and I think it's often unrecognized or it's just it's just like existing. It's nascent. So um, I think to kind of like enliven that and recognize that and think about that and shape that as well was really exciting and yeah thanks for thanks for the chat 
Possum Portraits is a non-profit bereavement care service supporting parents who have lost a baby to miscarriage, stillbirth and neonatal death. We provide families with hand-drawn, commemorative keepsake portraits of their baby free of charge. In support of our mission, we are hosting a community fundraising raffle. The prize draw will be held on November 6th. Prizes include a $300 Gorman online shop voucher, hampers, term memberships for kids' music and activity classes, and much more. To buy your raffle tickets, head to possumportraits.com.au forward slash events and win some great prizes while supporting an important cause. Possum Portraits is a 3CR supporter. Hey, I'm Lady Lash. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio, the voice of the set. 3CR is so awesome, giving the platform for people's voices to be heard and people's gifts to be heard. And always remember that you are amazing. I hope you enjoyed that discussion between Ben Hunt and Harley McDonald Eckersall. Uh, ben Hunt is a researcher at De Montford University with his research focusing on animal rights and performance. You can find more about his work at performinganimalrights.tumblr.com and Harley is active with the group Animal Rebellion and you can find out more about them by going to the Animal Rebellion website which is animalrebellion.org. We'll put links up to both of those in the show notes and you can also hear more from Harley on a bunch of our previous episodes and more about Animal Rebellion as well. Uh, our show is one till two every Sunday. You can hear previous episodes via the 3CR website, specifically 3cr.org.au forward slash freedom of species, as well as on iTunes and Spotify. And on a recent show uh, called Positive Animal News with Mexi, we covered some victories that have already been made for animals and also some headlines for the future. Uh, so imagining what victories could be achieved in the future. And I had one um, which actually came in after we recorded from Devita, another Freedom of Species presenter. So I'll, I'll just mention that here as a just a bit of a um, preview of the kind of things we discussed on that show. Um, so it is Victoria has reached 80% rewilded pastures previously used for animal agriculture. The target of 100% will likely be reached in April next year when all deforested areas have new forest growth. So that is a headline uh, from Devita, something we can imagine and hopefully work towards in the future. If that if that kind of stuff takes your interest, again, check out that show, Positive Animal News with Mexi. You can also give feedback on the show via freedomofspecies at gmail.com in terms of email, and we're also on a bunch of different social media platforms as well. We're going to finish up with a song, Can't Handle This Kanye Rant by Bo Burnham. And I'm playing this one because it sort of is the first thing that comes to mind to me when I think of um, performance because this this song but also this whole show which is called Make Happy and is available on Netflix um, is a performance all about performance. I thought it was very relevant to the discussion that you've heard. Um, also, you get a lot more out of this if you see the visuals as well. So if you, if you do, if the song tickles, you know, takes your interest, then you can um, look it up on YouTube. Uh, we'll put a link to that in the notes and it's also, again, Make Happy is a special on Netflix. 
I do have to mention the uh, this contains a little bit of swearing. And also, I wanted to just briefly mention that there is um, some discussion of animals being consumed. It's not the primary focus of the song or anything, but it's just interesting. You kind of see these things differently through a vegan lens. And uh, as we've covered on the show recently, hopefully we can work towards a world where there are still these meats and cheeses and that kind of thing, but they're all plant-based. And we're definitely obviously trying to um, move things in that direction on this show. That's all we have time for today. Stay tuned for Rotations, which features a bunch of music from various 3CR presenters. And we'll be back next week with more Freedom of Species. I went to Kanye West's recent tour, the Yeezus tour. It was a big, dramatic, theatrical show. He did something very strange at the end of his show where he ranted for like 20 minutes. It was kind of a rant, kind of a song. He had auto-tune on his voice, and there was an instrumental in the background. Like this instrumental. Talked about his problems. Race. Power. His $90 t-shirts weren't selling very well. That was most of it. And I watched this. I thought maybe I could do this. I'll be honest, my problems are not as high stakes as Kanye's, but I have problems. And maybe a crowd in New York would be nice enough to indulge me. So as we get to the end of a night of theater, and comedy and sweaters coming on and off. I got one question for you. And that question is Can I say my shit? New York, can I say my shit? I got lots of shit to say. I got lots of shit to say. Fit my hand inside a Pringle can. I have a huge amount of trouble fitting my hand inside of a Pringle can. I can get my hand like four inches into the can, but then I have to tilt the can into my mouth. But by that point, a bunch of crumbs have accumulated at the bottom of the can. So they all go spill it onto my face. What I'm trying to say is the diameter of Pringle cans is way too small. I'll say it again, the diameter of Pringle cans is way too small. Two radiuses of a Pringle can is way too small. If you feel me, put your hands up. Come on. If you feel me, put your hands up. Look at all these hands that are way too big to fit inside a Pringle can. Your hands are too big to fit inside a Pringle can. Your hands are too big to fit inside a Pringle can. You think you can, I know you can. You think you can. Pringles, listen to the people. I am sure 90% of the complaint letters you get are about the width of your cans. Just make them wider. I've overdone the Pringles thing. Sorry. I wanna have a daughter. Wanna have a daughter. So I can finally have someone around the house who can fit their hands in a Pringle can. Yes, I'm still on the Pringle cans thing. Yeah. I'll, I'll move on, all right? But that is priority numero uno. I don't go to the gym because I'm self-conscious about my body. But I'm self-conscious about my body because I don't go to the gym. Irony can be so painful. That's a catch-22. Let's do this. 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 I went to Chipotle. Went to Chipotle. 
got myself a chicken burrito. I went down the line, I got like all these ingredients, and then at the end of the line, the guy tried to wrap the burrito, but half of the shit inside the burrito spilled out, he still wrapped it. I was like, dude, you should have warned me. You're a burrito expert, you should have told me halfway through, hey man, you might be reaching maximum burrito capacity here. Do you think I want a messy burrito? No one wants a messy burrito. The whole appeal of a burrito is that all of the ingredients are contained within the confines of the tortilla. I wouldn't have gotten half this shit if I knew it was going to fit in the burrito. All right, look. I wouldn't have got the lettuce if I knew it would have fit. Wouldn't have got the cheese if I knew it would have fit. Wouldn't have got the peppers if I knew they would have fit. I wouldn't have got, 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 got half of it. Like, I'm okay with small mistakes. If you got no more chicken, I'll take pork. But I'll blow my dad before I eat a burrito with a fork. Wouldn't have got the lettuce if I knew it would have fit. Would they get the cheese if I knew it wouldn't? Would they get the peppers if I knew they wouldn't? Man, I wouldn't have got half a bit like, half a bit like, half a bit like, half a bit like, half a bit right now. I think it's time, I think it's time that we break it down. <laughs> Sit here and pretend like my biggest problems are Pringle cans and burritos. The truth is my biggest problem's you. I want to please you, but I want to stay true to myself. I want to give you the night out that you deserve, but I want to say what I think and not care what you think about it. A part of me loves you. Part of me hates you. Part of me needs you. Part of me fears you And I don't think that I can handle this right now Handle this right now I don't think that I can handle this right now I don't think that I can handle this right now I don't think that I can handle this right now I don't think that I can handle this right Look at them, they're just staring at me like Come and watch the skinny kid with a steadily declining mental health And laugh as he attempts to give you what he cannot give himself I don't think that I can handle this right I don't think that I can handle this right But they don't even know the half of this right But they don't even know the half of it But I know I'm not a doctor I'm a pussy I put on a silly I should probably just shut up and do my job, so here I go. Wouldn't have got the lettuce if I knew it wouldn't fit. Wouldn't have got the cheese if I knew it wouldn't fit. Wouldn't have got the peppers if I knew they wouldn't fit. Wouldn't have got half. You can't tell them anything if you just make it funny, make it rhyme. And if they still don't understand you, then you will run it one more time. They got on your head all this time. Good night. I hope you're happy.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.